two months ago, I talked to you about prayer for two weeks. And what we went over was Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 13. And the lessons kind of went like this. What prayer is, what prayer isn't, what we're supposed to be focusing on as we pray. And there's a principle I want to add to our understanding about prayer. This is a very important and essential one, and that is the principle of persistence. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us to pray of the six things he said that he wanted us to pray. One of them was that we are to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You all remember this, of course. We're praying your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what's interesting about him asking the disciples and, of course, us to pray that prayer is that his Jewish listeners believed that the kingdom of God was going to come when the Messiah came. So when he said, I want you to pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven, the Messiah is there and they believe Messiah comes, the kingdom comes. So why are we supposed to pray for this to happen? Because if you're the Messiah, then the kingdom is going to be established on the earth and all that we have believed is now going to unfold but they didn't realize that Jesus was establishing a spiritual kingdom, that he would die for the forgiveness of our sins, he would rise again in three days, and that he would ascend to be at the right hand of the Father and return at some later date, which we are still awaiting. They did not understand that. But Jesus told them, all these things were going to transpire, and I want you to know that there's going to be a valley that exists where there is tension from when I came and when I return. And I want you to occupy that tension in a way where you are praying for my kingdom to be established. Wherever you see what God wouldn't do and what God isn't doing and what isn't the kingdom, I want you to pray for the rule and the reign of God to be established wherever it's not happening. This is the prayer that I want you to pray. This is like your filter, your filtration system for all of your prayers. When something's wrong, you know that it's wrong because it's not of God. It's not what God wants. So what do we do? Do we get angry? No. Do we just get upset? No. Do we just get frustrated? No. He says, I want you to pray. Everywhere you identify, something is not as it's supposed to be. This is your calling to be a people of prayer. What that means though, is in this valley, this place that they lived in, that we live in, we know we're going to experience injustice and pain and violence and hatred and sickness and disease and poverty and persecution. I know you don't want that. I know that doesn't encourage you on this Sunday morning, but that is what he's saying, that you're going to live in a world of tension where you know something is coming and there are better days ahead and you're gonna feel this angst and you're not gonna enjoy what you're going through, but you are called to be a people of prayer, that you're contending for God's will to come and his kingdom to manifest. Jesus said this in Luke 17, before we get to the passage in Luke 18. He was asked about when the kingdom of God was going to come, and this is what he answers. He answered them and he said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. It's not going to come the way that you think it's going to come. You're asking for the signs, you're asking for the win. And he says, it's not going to happen the way that you think it's going to happen. 
You're gonna, people are going to say, look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God is with the king. Jesus is standing in front of them. The kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus was right there. But look what he says. He says this to his disciples, and I think it's true for us today. The days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. I just want that to stick into your hearts today. The days will come to the disciples. They're gonna see him die. They're gonna see him ascend. And he's prophesying the days are gonna come and all that you go through where you're gonna long to see one of the days of the son of man. You're not gonna like what's gonna happen. You're not gonna like how you feel and how you suffer and what you go through and all of the wrong in the world. You're not gonna like this. But listen, in that tension, we have to hold on to his righteousness and his justice and his word and his promises being fulfilled. That's what we are. We are a people of hope. We are a people that declare the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the love of God when everything looks opposite. We are a people of hope and light and life. And we occupy the tension of those days where we long for his kingdom. Here's the question today. Do you long for the kingdom of God to be fully and physically established on the earth? No one is qualified to lead this planet like Jesus Christ. I mean, I know that we vote and all of that as important as it may be. We're voting and we're hoping that politicians stay true to their word. Isn't that right? You vote and you go, I hope that you do what you say you're going to do. I hope that you fulfill your word. There is one that is qualified to lead this planet in a right and righteous way. And every one of us longs for him to do just that. And we're living in those days where we say, come Lord Jesus. So how do we live in a world full of bad news and still believe and share the good news? How do we live around hopelessness and anchor ourselves in confident expectation that better days are going to come? How, how, do we do, how do we do that? How do we suffer through sickness and hold out for divine healing in this life and the one to come? How do we struggle through the injustice of trauma and personal pain, knowing that God loves us? All that we've had to go through. How do we deal with the injustice and the the corruption from the presidential suites, come on, to the broken streets. You like, you like what I did there? You like that? Kurt, you like that? All right. Just a couple for you. You might think it's cheesy. I enjoy it. I do. I do. You're welcome. You're welcome. A couple of you just woke up. That's fine. That's fine. Amen. It's easy to give up. That's the point. It's easy to give up. That's actually the easy route. That's that's, that's what many do today. That's, that's what many Christians do today. But Jesus speaks directly to that and he shows us how to not give up and to be a people that contend. Isn't that who you wanna be today? I wanna be a person that contends. I wanna be a person that doesn't give up. I've watched a lot of people who called themselves Christians throw in the towel. And I'm not saying that they didn't love Jesus. I'm not saying that they aren't Christians. I'm saying I've watched a lot of people say, you know what, this is too much. You know what, I don't understand this. You know what? He didn't answer my prayers. You know what? I can't understand if God is good, then why all this bad happened? I, I have met a lot of people. I've walked with a lot of people and they've thrown in the towel on their Christian life be, because they did not understand how to occupy the tension that every person in this room lives in. Friend, no matter what you and I have gone through, the truth is that every person around us is going through something right now. 
And to suggest otherwise is to be blind to the sin and the corruption and the chaos that is a part of our world. I'm not saying some people don't have it worse. I'm just saying everybody at some point is going to experience difficulty, pain, and otherwise. It's just part of this life. But Jesus gives us some, I think, very important principles that we cannot overlook in Luke chapter 18. And this is what he says, starting in verse 1. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, this is the part that that he wants us to hear. However, when the Son of Man comes, his second coming, will he find faith on the earth? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Lots to focus on here, but let's go, uh, let's go through this in just a couple points that I want to make from the text. The first is persistent prayer causes us to stand strong long term. That's what this is about, the long haul. In verse 1, it says he told them a parable to show them. Everybody say show. Okay, he wanted to show them. He told them a story. I want to tell you a story that's crazy, but I'm going to do this because I want to show you how you don't give up. Not just give up praying. Friends, I want to, I want to tell you, sometimes we misunderstand this verse by, we, by thinking that Jesus is teaching us how to pray and keep praying and not give up praying. That, that, that's actually the subpoint here. Jesus is teaching his disciples who are about to live in this tension where they thought the kingdom would fully manifest and it's not. And so they're gonna go through all of this stuff and this pain and persecution and problems, all that they're gonna experience. He said, I wanna show you how you don't give up. Let me tell you about a widow. The answer that he gives them is persistent prayer. And if you and I occupy this place of persistent prayer, we will not give up. That's the point that Jesus is actually making. The word persistence means to continue with purpose in a course of action tenaciously, even in spite of opposition, right? And that's a very important point that we need to grab a hold of. On every occasion and under any circumstance, the way we resist giving in and giving up is learning to contend for God's answer and God's will through persistent prayer. Coming to God in prayer, it sustains us in everything. And that is the principle. Prayer is not just a good idea. Praying a lot is not just something we ought to do and get around to doing at some point. Jesus is making the case that I have given you the key to sustain your spiritual life. And the flip side of that is, if we are not a people of prayer, we will at some level and in some way be a people that give up. It is just not possible to live in this world and experience all of this 
without throwing in the towel unless we are a people that have this relationship with God where we connect with and communicate with him on a regular and a persistent basis. This is who we are. We're a people that contend. And so he tells this story. And we have this widow who has no options. She could either contend for justice or she could just give up and accept whatever happened. And doesn't that speak to many in Christianity today? It's like, well, you know, God is gonna do what God's gonna do and we might as well just let it all happen. Whatever happens, happens. And some people teach that theology like that's just the way that it is. God's sovereign and he's gonna accomplish his will. And so we can just sit back on the lazy boy spiritually and uh, just watch it all pass by on our way to the sweet by and by, amen. This train is bound for glory. This, all right. <laughs> I just gotta, amen. I don't know. That's what some people think. And so there's no activity on their part. And, and, and even in some today, it's like anytime I, I push and I press, I'm like, we are called to be a people of prayer. We are called to be a people that pray for our neighbors. And we're called to be a people that share the gospel. It's like, whoa, whoa, man. It's not about works. Yes, it's not about works for salvation. But now that we're saved, it's about serving the one that we're following. Whatever happened to that? You call that legalism? Friends, read the book. It exhorts us to live the Christian life. And now as a Christian filled with the spirit, we can. Whereas before we couldn't. We were dead in our sins and our transgressions. But now we have been made alive in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been ready to give up on a couple occasions. Few times I wanted to give up being a pastor. Not because of you, amen, not because of you. A couple times I wanted to throw in the towel. I wanted to throw in the towel on all kinds of things. How many of you could just say, amen, that's me. I've wanted to throw in the towel before. I've wanted to give up before. Anybody that's alive today, say amen. <laughs> you know, I'll just get some agreement here. Maybe you've been tempted to give up on God's promises for your life, for your family. Maybe you've been tempted to give up on your marriage or even some having a good marriage, a thriving marriage. Well, you know, this is the best it's go that, that it's going to be. I know God intended for better, but I'm just gonna throw in the towel on that and we're just gonna survive and, and sleep in the same bed, I guess. That's, we're just gonna be roommates, you know. I'm gonna give up on discipling my kids because they don't wanna listen to me. They don't listen to me at, at all. And, and I've tried, Pastor Ben, I've tried. And so I'm just gonna let that go and let them do their own thing and pray that they figure it out kind of somewhat here or there. Maybe you've given up on your own spiritual growth because someone didn't follow through with you. You said, I took a step, but that person didn't call me back. That person didn't follow through. Is your discipleship worth it? Then you keep going, amen? You don't, you don't let one person or one situation stop you from what God has for you in, in your life. And maybe you gave up on church. I mean, you're here today, but that could have been in your past. So many people give up on, on church and they go, well, the, the hypocrites or I don't think I have to go and all this. I mean, last time I looked, the Bible calls us to faithfulness and it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Pin drop. <laughs> faithfulness, it's part of our life. And you're not gonna get anything out of the spiritual life without faithfulness. There's no way. We love that God's faithful, but don't call me to faithfulness. 
I love that God's faithful. That means that I can just live however, and I know that he's always there. That, that's not what this is about. That's not what the book preaches. Biblical faithfulness is where we follow through, through the power of the Spirit, and then we find the fruit of what God intends and calls us to in the midst of that exchange and life lived following Jesus. But if we give up, we won't find any of that. We have to learn how to contend to be a people that contend. Maybe you were betrayed or you were mistreated or judged or misunderstood, and it's hard to keep going. Often we believed God for something and it didn't happen. In fact, the opposite. You ever prayed for something and then the opposite happens? Oh, come on, wake up today. You ever prayed for something and you prayed and you prayed and you finally just said, well, I, I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to have this happen. And, and, and look what Jesus said. These verses, we quote some of them, but not all of them. He gave a very important principle to his disciples. And I think we need to hear this, John 16, 31. He said to them, this is right before the cross. He said, behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because my father is with me. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome, come on everybody, the world. God's overcome the world. In the world we're going to have problems, but he already overcame absolutely all of it. And he told us this in advance so that we could have peace. But here's the reality. He says something that seems contradictory. In the world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulty. You're going to have pain. All of this is going to happen. Call that tension. You're going to have a lot of tension. But I want you to know, I already overcame it. And I've told you this so that you could have peace on the inside. In other words, what's in you is stronger than what happens around you. And if you don't hear the voice of God or know the word of God, you're not going to know that all of this that's going on that looks different than what God does and what God wants, you and I are not going to know or we're not going to function with the level of peace that he's called us to have in the midst of all of it. So when something comes our way, bam, it just knocks us right out of our spiritual disciplines, right out of our spiritual life. When difficulty comes, when the opposite of what we were praying for happens, then it just knocks us out of what God has for our life. And that is not what God has. This promise was not meant to produce passive acceptance. It was meant to fuel the fires of persistent prayer. That's what he was doing. I want you to be a people that pray and you're persistent. The tensions of the valley will always exist, but you cannot lose heart. If we lose heart, not only will we not pray, but we're gonna give up on all that God wants. And that's actually what happens to so many. So here's my question for you today in this point. In what area are you most prone to give up right now? What's that area that you're most prone to give up. And now let me ask you with this principle that Jesus gives us, here's the area that you're prone to give up. What does your prayer life look like in that area? See, it's not rocket science. Look at the principle, persistent prayer. I'm going to show you how you ought not give up. If we're giving up in this area, I want to ask you, what does your prayer life look in this area. Man, come on. This is good stuff, guys. Here's the principle. The key that unlocks the door is that we begin to press in and we keep in our prayer life, we keep this before the Lord. 
and watch how he'll strengthen us and fill us and cause us to be able to stand and walk in that place. It doesn't mean we enjoy it. It means we're not giving up as a result of it. Persistent prayer, that's what he's talking about. He says, let me tell you about a widow. Point number two is this. Persistent prayer challenges the obstacles and the opposition. In this passage, Jesus brings up a scenario of a courtroom, an unjust judge, and a widow seeking justice. Most ancient courtrooms were not nice and fine buildings like we think of today. Actually, they were mobile tents. And so they would pick up the tent and they would move it from one city to the other and set it back up again. You'd have a judge and you'd have his attendants and there would be a large group of people that would watch all of the court proceedings. This was normal in their culture. The judge sat in the open and tried all of the cases that came to him. And this is the way that they would cover a large region. People worked jobs, they worked long hours, and so they weren't able to travel. So the court would travel, and usually they did that so that they could collect their fees and their fines. Jesus says in verse 2 that this judge was unjust, and he adds these details that he did not fear God and he did not respect man. Now, doesn't this sound like a horrible situation? Here's a judge. He doesn't respect God, so he's got his own moral compass, and he doesn't, he doesn't honor God. He doesn't respect people. So he doesn't care about the people that he's deciding over. I mean, that's just crazy. But in their culture, almost all of the judges were corrupt. So when Jesus said this, they all scoffed. They were like, oh yeah, they all are terrible. They, they, they knew what Jesus was saying. He's bringing up a cultural reality. And so this is what they would have done. They probably would have, would have sneered. And in verse three, he says, this widow kept coming because she was seeking legal protection. But she had three problems, didn't she? Very specific problems. The first, she was a woman. In that culture, she didn't have any standing, right? She would have her husband or maybe her firstborn son. Women did not go to court. And so she had no standing. The second, though, makes it even worse. She was a widow. This meant she has no advocacy. So there is no husband and there is no firstborn son that we read about. That, that's who would stand in court for her. But the third is she was poor, which means she couldn't pay any of the attendants to have her case be tried before the judge. So she's just stuck between a rock and a hard place. She has nothing. She has nobody. But here's what she does have. She's persistent. Jesus is proving a point. You can have nothing and you can have nobody, but if you're persistent, you're gonna still get the answer that you're looking for. This is what he wanted them to know. We know this as well. So when we're faced with obstacles, do we give in or do we press in? That's the question today. When we're faced with opposition and we're moving forward in Christ and all these things that God has called us to pray for and see happen in our world, what do we do when we're faced with that kind of opposition? A lot of people, if we're honest, give up. That's what they do. Well, it must not be meant to be. Well, God didn't answer my prayers. Friends, what happened to the resilience of the people of God where we're called to step in even further, dig in our heels and take on the challenge? Come on, we're supposed to challenge the challenges. We're supposed to reject our rejection. We're supposed to move after what God says, even when we're being pushed on. Even when we're being told no, if we know that it's God, we don't give in. That's who, that's who we are. 
If the pain is greater than the promise and the failure is greater than our faith and the difficulty is stronger than the deliverer and our sin is more powerful than the savior, it says something about the faith that we've adopted. This is not the way that it's supposed to be. He calls us to be a people that rise above all of that and we can. The obstacles and the trials and the temptations should cause us to dig our heels in. And today I wanna tell you, dig your heels in. And I'm talking about biblical stuff. I'm talking about promises of God. I'm talking about following his word, not just what we want um, in life. But I think there's a reason that we don't. Many actually, but one of them I wanted to bring up today. And that was, I think often we're looking for relief rather than remedy. We're looking for relief rather than remedy. Now in the flesh, this is all of us. This is me, this is you. We're looking for a Band-Aid. We don't want to be healed. All right, and so the only way that I can think about this is, Several years ago, I got into a car accident. My back was all messed up. Some of you have had this experience. I ended up getting referred to this chiropractor in Kirkland. Great guy. Uh, the woman that referred him basically said he's magic. or I don't remember what she said. Anyways, he's magic. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's go see the magic man. So I went, I went, if you're a chiropractor, we love you. We love you. Amen. Uh, and so I went to go see him and I was, I was the skeptical person. I'm like, he's going to crack my back. And I kind of like, anybody else kind of like cracks? You just say crack. You just, nobody wants to admit it, but it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And uh, I, I like cracking other people's back too. They just walk up to me. It's great. I love it. I, I feel like I miss my calling. I did. Um, and so I go to the guy and he cracks me like bubble wrap. I mean, it was like, he just crack, 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 crack. Every, and I felt good. I love it when they ask you, how does that feel? Like within two seconds, you're like, part of your psyche, you're like, I feel, I feel great. You're not sure at all. You have no idea how you feel. I feel alive. That's what you should say. <laughs> I feel like I was just cracked. That's all right. So, but there's something that happens. You do get a sense of relief. It, it's a strange thing. You get a sense of relief. So they know what they're doing. But as I kept going to him over a period of time, one day, he was the kind of guy that could say something to you that was hard to hear, but he said it in such a kind way where you felt like he blessed you and then also cut you at the same time. It's like, that's the Jesus gift, isn't it? Jesus is the one that can correct you, like seriously correct you, but then make you feel encouraged at the same time. I love being around people like this. I aspire to be one. I don't know if I am, but I love, and he, one time I got on the scale and, and uh, you know, of course I was trying to justify the number. I was like, these are the heavy clothes. I wore my heavy clothes today. Amen. That's all that is. That's all that is. The devil's coming after me today. I adopted a really wacky view of spiritual warfare all of a sudden, like the devil was in the numbers, you know. So anyways, I get on the scale and then uh, he says nothing. He's quiet. He doesn't say, oh, good job or no problem. Or he just looks, mm, just writes it down, walks into his office and he's talking to me and he said to me, uh, and this isn't part of my message, but it's, I think it's helpful <laughs> for somebody. <laughs> but he says, uh, so where is this going? Yeah, he goes, so where is this going? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, I won't tell you the number, okay. But he said, you know, you're here and it just seems like this is moving in the wrong direction. So at some point it's gonna be to this and it's gonna be to that. And if it keeps going in that direction, all you're gonna do is get more and more unhealthy. And I'm sitting there like, stop. 
do the crack thing, man. That's what you're good at. <laughs> Bubble wrap, snap, snap, okay? But here's what he said. He said, if you keep coming back here and I keep cracking your back and cracking your body, then all you're doing is using me to get your relief. But I wanna teach you how to stretch yourself and how to do exercises so that your body will actually be able to heal itself. Now, I didn't like that answer because that me- what he meant was I wanna teach you to do some work. So he, ta- he taught me all these exercises. How many of you know I didn't do them at first? Come on, I didn't do them. But I had to keep coming in and, and accountability is something that helps me in my life. And so in that accountability, he just would say, have you been doing your exercises? And I said, no. Finally, I got convicted and said, I need to do what this guy's talking about. Here's what happened. I started doing the exercises and within a month, I no longer actually needed him to do anything. And that's the, that's the reality, right? Is if you do the thing that you're being told to do, you'll receive the remedy and not just the relief. But if we ignore what we're being told that will bring about a remedy, then what we'll do is seek out relief. And that path is not right when it comes to spirituality. Jesus gives us these principles, not because they're good ideas and we ought to get around to them. He's saying, this is your lifeblood, not your lifeline. This is your lifeblood. This is a normal way of living your spiritual life. That's what Jesus is trying to say. And so here's my question. What obstacles or opposition are you facing in your life right now? What are the obstacles and the opposition in your attitude, in your heart, in your actions, in your external life? What are those things in your marriage, in your home, with your kids? What are those things? Now, Jesus says persistent prayer to not give up. I'm asking you this question. What does your prayer life look like on top of that obstacle? What does it look like? What does your prayer life look like when you think about the things that you're up against? Are you pushing back on what's pushing against you? Are you pressing in or are you giving in? What are you doing? Because we are on this conveyor belt of giving up if we're not on the conveyor belt of pressing in. That's just the way that it works. You wanna know, you want a prophecy? Here's one. If we don't practice the principles that Jesus has given us, friends, he's telling us you're gonna give up. Let me show you how you don't give up. I wanna talk to you about a widow. That's what he says. Well, the third point I wanna make is persistent prayer changes our perspective. You know, Jesus tells stories, we call them parables, because alongside the story is a truth. That's the point of the story. I wanna tell you a truth in a story. And so some parables are comparative. And what they're doing is they're comparing God to the scenario. So God is like this. Pictures speak a thousand words. God is like this. Some parables in the book of Luke do that. Some are contrast parables. God is not like this. And that's what this parable is. Here's an unjust judge. The unjust judge doesn't honor God and he doesn't fear people. God is not like the unjust judge. So he's telling a story to contrast. He's saying even the unjust judge was willing to give legal protection because of persistence. But God, your heavenly father, is not trying to give you legal protection just because of your persistence like he wants you to function that way. Like I just, if you just do it enough times, then that's, I want you to placate me. If you just say it a number of times or you say it the right way, that's not the point. The point isn't just, Say it again and again and again. And if you just do it enough, it's like you fill up the battery meter and then boom, everything pours over and you get what you're asking for. That's not relationship. 
That's not the point. Do you remember in Luke 11, he tells another story, and at the end of that story, he says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. It's the same exact principle. He's telling us the same thing two times, that if you and I have a prayer life where we're pressing in and we're taking on what God is even doing in the world, we're putting our neck into the yoke of God and we're moving along with Jesus, we throw off that yoke and we move our own way. That's what often happens. But if we take on that yoke, he does the work. He does the work but we're with him in what he's doing. Sometimes the reason that we're not getting an answer is because our perspective needs to change. And that's, why, that's what's happening. But as we persist in prayer, I can tell you from experience, your perspective, my perspective begins to change. Now, I didn't know this when I had a very small prayer life. And there, just, there were times in my life where I didn't pray much. I'm just being honest with you. It was easier for me to read 45 minutes of the Bible and not pray. And I believe the reason is because there's actual opposition to your prayer life. You feel it when you pray. If you pray longer than 20 minutes, here's what you're gonna feel. You're gonna feel this pressure. You're gonna feel this, pre- it's like cabin pressure when a plane goes down a- a- into its destination. You feel this, there's, the enemy doesn't want you to pray. And so there's a pressure. If you pray longer than that, you're gonna experience it. If you don't, you won't know what I'm talking about. You have to experience it yourself. But here's the reality is when you and I pray, if we're not praying the right thing or the right way, God changes our perspective during that time. We start to realize, we start to hear, we start to understand what God is actually, actually doing. And so our perspective of God through the tension and life, of life in the, in, the, in the storm is that we come to understand that he's a good father. God shows us who he is in the midst of all that we're facing in the tension. It's not only that he is our father, but he's the God of heaven and earth, and we hold a place of honor and reverence and waiting on him regardless of how long it takes. See, that's the thing. If all we want is the thing that we're asking for, we're not taking into consideration that God has a will and God has a way and God has invited us into following him and to praying for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. But our problem is that we get consumed with what we need and what we want and what we're after and what we like and what we think and what bothers us and that. Friends, it doesn't change without prayer. I really don't know another way to say it. That perspective, that path of life does not change without prayer, persistent prayer. And then you realize all of a sudden, wow, I've been thinking the wrong thing. I've been asking for the wrong thing. I've been looking at the wrong thing. I've been seeking the wrong thing. And then our life begins to shift. And so does our prayer life. So does our prayer life. Honestly, And I encourage you towards this and and finding a path toward God that maybe it is today that you've given up on your prayer life because it has not been what you thought it would be or what somebody told you it would be or even what the scriptures say. But I would tell you part of the maybe misunderstanding that you're facing is that God is changing your perspective, not just saying no to your prayers. He's helping you and I shift and adjust. And the fourth part and the final I think point to this passage is persistent prayer changes our situation. In verse eight, Jesus said, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. 
the Bible reveals so clearly that God loves us, he hears us, and he responds to us as we pray. This is the truth of what God does. Look at what it says here. 1 Samuel chapter 1, just tons of scriptures in the Bible. Hannah prayed for a son, and God gave her Samuel. 2 Kings chapter 19, Hezekiah prayed that God would deliver Judah from the Assyrians, and he did that. These are impossible situations. 1 Samuel chapter 7, Samuel prayed that God would deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. That was impossible, and God delivered them. In 2 Kings 6, Elisha prayed that God would open his servant's eyes because he was under fear. How are we going to get out of this situation? We're surrounded. And then as Elisha prayed, he opened his servant's eyes and he could see the angels of God. Man, he had a revelation of what God was actually doing, and that's needed. Acts chapter 4, the church prayed for boldness to preach the word with signs and wonders, and the building shook, and they were sent out with power, and they opened their mouth. I want to tell you, you're not going to share the gospel without prayer first. It's not going to happen. Here's the key. The reason that the church is often powerless is not for a lack of power. The Holy Spirit is the power, but we're not praying. We're not plugging in. We're not pressing in. We're not asking God to do what he promised to do. And if we don't do that, we're just assuming that he's gonna do whatever he wants to do. And here's the problem is that God will eventually, but he's just not gonna do it with us. He's calling us to be a part of it. How do you do that? It's through prayer. You see it over and over in the Bible. Paul and Silas prayed, and it says the prison doors were open and their shackles fell off. They got a prison sentence for preaching the gospel, and they're sitting there in prison. They're in shackles, and they, start, they said, you know, this is a great time to have a worship service. So they start to sing. They start to praise and pray. And as they started to praise and pray, they're not asking, get us free. They're not asking, break the shackles off. In fact, they were shocked. Prison doors opened, shackles fell off. I mean, this is incredible stuff. As we read through the scripture, I'm not sure what you do with this, but I'm like, God will do more if we pray more. You just go chapter after chapter, verse after verse. It's not just convicting, it's convincing. It's convincing that there is a way of life that brings about breakthrough. I'm concerned that we've lost the simple and profound truth that there is power in persistent prayer. Power is released as the people of God pray. Luke chapter 18 and verse 8, as I close, Jesus says this at the end of telling the story to show them. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What does he mean? He just tells a story about this widow and he's connecting that to persistent prayer. And then he says, but when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find people contending? Will he find people praying? Now, I want to tell you something. Praying is, is no easy task. Okay, I became a Christian, 19, I started moving towards intercession at about 20. And I've been in a lot of prayer rooms. I spend time with God in the secret place. I pray in my own time and I pray with a lot of you. And what I have found is that prayer is not easy. Prayer can be boring. It's easy to get disillusioned. It's easy to think nothing's happening because you don't see miracles every time you pray. It's, there's no instant gratification most of the time in prayer. Is that true? 
Like, you don't just pray and then bam, right? Lord, we pray for chairs and then boom, chairs have. I mean, occasionally you see a miracle. Like sometimes you see a miracle and you're like, wow. And that really inspires your faith. That does happen, but it ain't every time. When you're praying for your family, when you're praying for your kids, when you're praying for your parents who don't know Jesus and you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying and nothing happens, you have to convince yourself according to the scriptures that if you and I keep doing this, that something is going to happen. That means that the word has to be true. We have to believe it. And as a result of believing it, we're praying it, we're saying it, we're standing on it. That has to be true. If it's not true, we're going to give up. That's what Jesus is saying. I've given you a key. I've given you a principle. I want you to press in when it's boring. I want you to pray when nothing happens. I want you to keep asking and keep on asking. Well, I did that. Yeah, for six months, there are saints that have been praying for 20 years. Some of you, 30 years, apply the same principle to every other issue in your life. Friends, we don't give up on anything that God says. Nothing that God says, we don't give up. That's not who you are. That's not who I am. And so you've got to ask the question, where have I given up? Where am I prone to give up? God is calling you to the place of prayer. He's restoring that in our life. That's what he wants. And he shows us when we enter into that, how he really works. I've learned this. Now we started the prodigal boxes and a number of things that we've been praying about, but I want to tell you, it's not immediate. As we pray, we see more happen. We keep praying and we see a little bit more happen. We keep praying, we see a little bit more happen. And I wanna convince you today that the word of God is true. The word of God is true. But I also wanna say, I think the reality is, is that if we just pull back the curtain, I think there's just a little prayer, a little prayer. One time Leonard Ravenhill said, I don't know anything about jet engines, but I do know that they don't run, or jets, but I do know they don't run on lawnmower engines. I mean, it's just kind of a duh statement. <laughs> and what he meant was the church of Jesus Christ cannot accomplish her mission if they have a little bit of prayer. Jesus, Jesus didn't teach that. We pray and then we share. I want to tell you, if you feel ineffective in evangelism, pray and then watch the anointing that comes on you when you start to share. Ben, I'm not good at that. God's not asking you, what are you good at? It's what we begin to pray for. And when you start praying for it, man, it changes absolutely everything. Some of you, you don't like my preaching. Have you prayed for it? Come on. <laughs> but you haven't, right? Man, I don't feel any anointing. I don't get anything out of it. Criticisms are a dime a dozen. Amen? We can criticize so much stuff. That's what people do, but they don't pray. Come on, let's just be honest today, but they, we don't pray. What is God calling you to do? How? How is he calling us to contend? Over what and over whom? God's calling us to, to do this. Would you stand? I need to close today. You're like, amen. I want to tell you this, that God brings us through the fire. He keeps us in the storm. He holds us up in temptation, but that isn't all that he does. It's not just him keeping us safe and sound. God wants to use our life for his glorious purposes. God wants to use your life. Whatever chapter you're in, God wants to use your life. And I think that's our desire too. God, spend me the way that you want to. God wants to use our life. And this is what we desire. Will Jesus find a people living in the tension, 
with a faithful resolve pressing into a prayerful persistence. That's what he's asking for. Don't, don't bring on re- religious guilt right now. Ask God to give you the conviction. Ask God to give you the power to pray, the anointing to pray, to wake up early in the morning, to go back to those fresh places. You remember those places? Man, you wanted to pray. We wanted to pray. If you don't want to pray, start there. God, activate that desire in me. I want to pray. It's not just grind. I need your help. I want that anointing. I I desire that. Pray over your marriage, friends. Pray over your kids. Pray over your church. Pray over this city. Pray for our politicians. Pray for our country. Pray that the gospel goes out. We keep on praying. And we believe this scripture together. We memorized it. It's Psalm 27 and verse 13. And this is what the psalmist writes. I am still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Intercessors say this and they pray this. That's who we are today. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for all that you're doing, all that you're about to do. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the gift of intercession and prayer. And Father, I'm asking you in those places that we've given up or that we're about to give up, God, I pray that you would turn the tide, that you would turn the tide and you cause us to stand strong in you and in your mighty power. Help us to live in the tension and push back against the opposition and the obstacles. Help us to be a believing people, a praying people, a persistent people. Father, I just admit I'm not always that, but I want to be that. And I pray, Lord, that the body of Christ, not just our church, but citywide, statewide, nationwide would rise up in prayer. Not anger, not frustration, but Lord, we would rise up in prayer. We would be a people mighty in God, mighty in prayer for the pulling down of strongholds. And we would see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that you would shock us, you would surprise us, you would move supernaturally through the simplicity of prayer. And you say to us today that if you pray more, I'll do more. And we thank you for that promise in Jesus' name. Somebody here today, um, as I prayed, I felt this so strongly, you're overwhelmed by anxiety and it's been crippling you, it's been crippling you in your spiritual life. You wanna take steps, but you feel like you can't. And I speak the freedom of God over you. I believe that's a promise of the Lord. And he's given you freedom today. Receive the freedom of God. We, we pray that over you right now in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody else, you need to hear this. The enemy is looking for an opportunity to take you down through discouragement. There's been a profound discouragement on your life and it just continues to weight you down incrementally. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. You have a You have a swing up day where you feel a little better, but the discouragement is heavy and it just feels like it gets heavier one pound after another. And the Lord wants to break the power of that discouragement and give you his, not just optimism, but a faith-filled perspective. And I think it's fitting that we're talking about persistent prayer today. So we break the power of discouragement in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the truth that replaces a lie, that we are more than conquerors in you. We receive it today in a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written. 